friend, I'm Rye Myers, your Broadway and Entertainment BFF, and thank you so much for listening to Live with Rye, the podcast. After launching Live with Rye in the fall of 2020 as a digital live stream talk show on YouTube and in the height of the pandemic, and after literally almost everyone calling my digital talk show your podcast, I figured it was finally time to put these episodes in podcast form. So here you go. These episodes, which you will listen to, are from over the last two years, starting from fall 2020 through the beginning of 2022, so some of these episodes may focus on topics and events that have already occurred. Consider it your official Throwback Thursday podcast, if you will. But, my dear friend, that's not all. Stay tuned for exclusive new weekly interviews with some of the best and brightest names in the Broadway, pop culture, and entertainment business, because I am your Broadway and entertainment BFF, after all, and I have interviewed some of the biggest names in show business from Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony Award winners, so you definitely will want to stay tuned to see who I have next. I hope you get value out of this podcast, and so as they all say before every podcast episode, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to leave a rating and review. But I ask that you please leave a kind review and rating. And listen, if you didn't like an episode, the world does not need more of your negativity, so just don't leave a review then. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and let me know who you'd like to hear. XOXO, Ryan Myers, talk show host, producer, and your Broadway and entertainment BFF. Enjoy the episode. And with that, let's welcome my very special guest to help close out season two. Uh, He is the creator of the new musical um, called Edge of the World, which is written by him, Ethan Slater, and Nick Blaymeyer, which which will be released on Broadway Records on August 6th. Please help me welcome the incredibly talented Ethan Slater. Hey, Ethan. Hey, Rye. How are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing all right. Thanks so much for... uh, for doing this, I appreciate it. How you been holding up? Been holding up, you know, holding up um, pretty well considering. Uh, it's been an interesting year, as you well know, year and a half. Um, and I'm currently in this weird sort of uh, liminal space, as you know, you can see by my blank wall, which is that I'm moving. And so like everything is blank walls here. Um, <laughs> which is a pretty weird place to be in, but it's all good. It's, there's a lot of positivity on the horizon. Yes, there is. Well, that's wonderful to hear. Well, let's get started. Where did the inspiration come from to write Edge of the World, this new musical that you're working on with uh, Nick Blameyer? And for those of you who uh, saw the promo ad, unfortunately, Nick had something come up um, last minute, so he's not able to join us today, But which is totally okay. We have Ethan instead, but just wanted to make that programming note. Yeah, uh, Nick wishes he could be here, but... Um... Edge of the World is something that we're really excited about. The album comes out on August 6th. And the the show itself is about a father and son. uh, And they uh, go to live in this remote area of isolated Alaska, where the boy is raised using his imagination to sort of cope with his loneliness, the loneliness of the surroundings. Um, And as he grows up there, sort of the the world that his father built for him sort starts to crumble and he starts to see things for as they really are. Um, it's like a pretty fun show, uh, but tackling some pretty uh, big issues, I would say in, in some ways. Um, and the idea came to me, I, I started writing songs from Edge of the World um, years ago and I wrote a version of it that is, um, that, that I invited Nick to read and asked him if he would actually like help me out. He and I had met working on SpongeBob, uh, the development process of SpongeBob. And I've just like 
love Nick. He's a great, great friend. And he's also an amazing writer. And I was, you know, I was like, hey, would you mind uh, diving into this with me for just like as a friend? Um, and he did. And he was like, hey, I think I could really, I, he was like, I really connect to the story. It, it means something to me. And I think I could help you shape it. And so we started working together on it, um, which was amazing, which, is, which has been such a good experience. And we've created something that I'm really excited about. Um, and then of course, like I was in rehearsals for a show and the world shut down and it sort of looked like we weren't gonna be able, we were gonna, Nick and I were looking forward to developing Edge of the World further as a stage musical. Yeah. And that um, had to take a back seat for obvious reasons. But we decided that we didn't want to stop working on it. We wanted to keep working on it. And one of the ways that we wanted to do that was to make this concept album that we'd been talking about. Um, and that's what we did. We we uh, had played some of the music live and had you know gotten some sort of interest in it and teamed up with Broadway Records, who have been amazing, um, and our, and made the concept album. And so we think of it, uh, you know, it's it's something that we're really proud of. It is Edge of the World. It's also this sort of step in the development process of, of right. bringing this stage. And so hopefully it's something that you all will, you know, get to know and love. Um, and then, you know, sometime down the line, you'll get to know and love it uh, in a different form as well. That's amazing. Well, um, was it recorded during COVID? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was really, it was so intense. Um, so I uh, am living in Los Angeles. Um, you know, we had uh, Nick at, is over in, in, in New York and Lily Cooper is on the album. She's amazing. And she's recording in Manhattan. And then, um, you know, Norbert Leo Butts, who is the best, uh, was, was on location shooting a TV show. So he was filming, he was uh, recording it from Vancouver. Our, our producer who was mixing it was in Minneapolis. It was like as remote as you could possibly get. No one was in the same borough, let alone the same state. Um, wow. And yet like one of the things that was really amazing about it was that this is a really intimate show. And when we first talked to Norbert, he'd listened to the demos and he was like, you know, I love this music guys, but like, I think it's really important that it feels like we're all in the same room, like doing it together. He was like, that's that's something that's so beautiful about this show and that, that needs to be captured on the record. And like, it's not worth doing if you can't. And we were like, we totally agree. Um, and so that was the challenge of it was like, in a time of disconnect and isolation, finding a way to feel like we were in the same room and really connect. And I think we did, like, I feel really, not only did it bring me a lot of joy and connection during the time, mm -hmm. it also, I think, comes through on the record. Well, that's great to hear. And when the record is released on August 6th, will it be released across streaming um, platforms as well or just the album itself? Where can we find it um, on August 6th? Yeah, it should be anywhere you listen to music, really. Um, it'll music. be on Spotify, on Apple Music. Um, I bet it'll be on that YouTube channel, uh, you know, any anywhere you listen to music. Um, and then on broadwayrecords.com, you can go there and you can um, purchase it there which would be awesome if you can. And if you can't, all good, go stream it. Amazing. Well, you heard it here. Go to broadwayrecords.com or stream it, support this new album. I'm really excited um, to listen to it. And we have actually, before I go on, we have some people in the comments who are also very excited. You've got quite the fan base here. We've got quite the uh, excitement. We have Chloe, who's excited to hear the album. Um, we have lots of uh, hi, Ethan. 
Um, so you you have a uh, uh, quite a, a, a fan base here um, joining us, but a lot of people who are saying they're very excited for the album and um, you know pe people listening on Spotify and everything in between. So um, amazing. Yeah, it's just wanted to acknowledge them and say thank you for commenting and that you know you'll have people who are definitely going to be purchasing the album um for sure so you've got quite the fan base going in the comments um you know, I, I love it so i know you said it's not autobiographical um and for you it was a way to escape your grief how did writing this musical do that for you and did it help you cope with the grief that you've experienced in your life uh through writing this that's a really good question i i you know so it's not an autobiographical show, but the inciting event of it is that this young boy, this six-year-old boy's mother dies. And so his father in sort of in their grief sort of takes them away. Um, and obviously that that's not exactly what happened to me, but when I was around that age, when I was seven, my mother died. And that was a really, you know, uh, a, a very big moment in my life, obviously. And it was really hard. And so I, I think that you know, I had this really funny conversation with my sister once um, where she she said like, oh, it's really interesting that you've been like writing about this event in your life in a million different ways. Um, this thing that I barely remember that happened before I, I really remember things, you know, I was like seven. So, you know, I, I sort of took that at face value and it's, it is sort of true. Everything that I write has like a little bit of that in it. Mm -hmm. um, because how can I avoid it? And this one happens to be, happens to have a lot of that in it. Um, and I think it really did, you know, it, writing is really cathartic and it's very vulnerable. And so I would say that the catharsis often came from writing alone or writing with myself and, and the vulnerability, um, made it really scary. So having a, a writing partner like Nick, who is so, um, caring and competent and good and, and, you know, a good friend and a good writer, um, Oh, it made that a lot easier and, and made it a really uh, a doable thing to find the places where it does it, it does come from me and the places where it's different. And those are really important. It's it's important that I'm not actually writing myself or someone else, but I am drawing from it in, in big thematic ways. Um, yeah, I think that that's really important. And I'm sure it will show, I mean, in the album, you know, you have the unfortunate experience you went through and again i send my condolences to you um i know it was years ago but still send my condolence that you you know have used for this and i think when we've seen any shows in the past that have been drawn from real experience we just see how even more incredible it is because it's got even more you know it's even more raw it's even more beautiful it comes even more from a place of uh of greatness because you know the composers are, or the writers are experiencing it. Um, in working with Nick, I mean, how um, how did having another writing partner help you as well in balancing the writing and having someone else to bounce ideas off of? Um, and was he able to relate to the piece as well coming in um, in the process when he did? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that was one of the things that, the reason that he, you know, wanted to get into it and, and and really work on it in a big way it was because of the things that he found in it that he related to and I, and they were slightly different things right like he doesn't have the same experiences as me but we we had um similar things and different things within the story that we connected to and that we wanted to explore and so it it 
really was an exciting thing to, to, to bounce those ideas off of each other. Um, I really like working with collaborators. I think mm -hmm. it's, it's something that is like really valuable to me. Um, because while I do like to be on my own, just sort of click clacking away, I also like to bring it to someone pretty immediately and say like, okay, well, where does it work? Where does it not work? Let's bounce ideas off of each other. Um, Nick is, is brilliantly unprecious. He's like really willing to be like, no, no, yes, yes, no, no. And that's something that I think is really important in a collaboration is, is a willingness to sort of put ego aside. Um, and not, and like, you know, it, it takes time to get there, but like he and I have a rapport where we're not offended by wanting to cut each other's stuff. It's, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a good collaboration in that way, um, in every way. So yeah, I think that, that it's been sort of an invaluable partnership. That's great. I mean, that's the best kind of partnership I'm sure you could ask for as creatives. Well, what do you hope that people will take away from this musical, from listening from the album, and also from seeing it when it is also produced on stage as well? I hope that it's an album that sort of spurs imagination and sort of expanse and also like allows people to um, to think about what one another are going through and, you know, to sort of like be, be in your own world and, um, and expand that world through your, through your imagination. Um, I also, Nick and I have been, have been saying like, this is the perfect album to like take outside and like sit under a tree and be in nature as you're listening to it and sort of let that be a part of it. Or alternatively, if that's not something that's possible for you because of where you live or because of whatever, um, hopefully listening to it, listening to the album all the way through can bring you a bit of that nature um, and a bit of that world. Uh, yeah, so I, I hope people get that out of it. And also I'm like really excited to hear what people get out of it because um, as much as I know what I think it means, I'm excited to hear what it means to you all when you listen, so. Well, I think that that's wonderful. And I I really think people will take, take away something great from this. And I can't wait to hear what um, they are gonna think of it. So that's beautiful. Uh, what are your plans for Edges of the World? I, are there, I know that we're slowly starting to get back into live performance. We're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, we're like yeah. two months or a month and a half out from Broadway reopening. But um, are there any readings or planned performances sort of in the future that you're able to talk about? Um, nothing, nothing to talk about yet, uh, though, you know, there are going to be little performances of it, uh, over the course of the next little while. Um, nice. you know, I'm doing a concert, Broadway buskers, you know, in Times Square. Um, yeah. I'll be singing a few songs from Edge of the World. I think oh, they nice. join me. Maybe some other people will join me as well. Um, that? that's September 17th. Okay, great. Yeah. So that's gonna be super fun. There's gonna be things like that happening. Um, and then hopefully there will be some other stuff to talk about, um, you know, in the near future. Cause we are working on developing it also. Right. So and you've got two great producers behind you uh, who've produced this, uh, uh, Bonnie and Nathan Comley, right? Bonnie Comley yeah, and yeah, Bonnie and Stuart. Bonnie, yeah. Bonnie Comley and, and Stuart Lane. Stuart Lane. Stuart Lane. I always get yeah. I always get him and Nathan Lane. The Nathan, Nathan Lane. Lane yeah. yeah. Stuart Lane and Bonnie Comley. Um, 
they're wonderful. They're a wonderful producing duo. So you've got they're a great amazing. And they have been so awesome to work with. Um, they're, they're just like, you know, the way that they're getting excited about the material and also the potential of the material. And I think, you know, we were talking about this, like, you know, we, we couldn't continue stage development because of the pandemic. Um, and so we went in this slightly different model in this way that's like maybe a little less traditional, but also sort of harkens back to the great concept albums that Nick and I grew up loving, you know, right. whether it's Jesus Christ Superstar or Tommy or whatever. Um, so they, they were really on board for this sort of like other angle in. And uh, I think that that's been really, really cool to be a part of, um, you know, this idea that accessible theater, whether it's a, a, a pro shot uh, stage production or the out hearing the music, the album, um, it doesn't it doesn't stop people from wanting to go see live shows. It, it only like makes people more excited about it. Um, mm -hmm. So it's additive and not, you know, uh, cannibalizing or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so that's been really awesome that that they sort of see the need for sort of the accessibility in there and and um, that's been a driving force in, in making this album and in Edge of the World in general. Well, that's great. Yeah, accessibility is really important and it's great that you have a team behind you that sees that. And, you know, uh, we're seeing nowadays that with these concept albums or seeing something in advance, whether it's a recording of something or these shows on these streaming platforms, it only makes people wanna see the performance in live in person even more you know it makes them even more excited so i can only imagine with edge of the world that you know with how beautiful the album's going to sound that people are going to be um anxious and eager to hear it in person for sure and to see it live on stage um what role do norbert leo butts and lily cooper play in this i know you mentioned them earlier but what are their roles in the show yes yeah, so norbert plays um, the, the Henry, who is uh, Ben's father, and um, he is a geologist, mm -hmm. um, and he just brings so much to it. It's really so beautiful to listen to and to see. Um, and then Lily Cooper, the one and only Lily Cooper, is playing Olivia, who is um, who is Ben's mom. Nice. And um, she sings this incredible song called Olivia's Song. Um, which she's singing to her pregnant belly. And um, it was this amazing moment because we were get we got on the Zoom session, you know, to to work on the song, to record the song. Mm -hmm. And she uh, was like, yeah, I just want to let you know, like this song has really been hitting me in a new way because, um, you know, I'm pregnant. She like stands up and she shows us and it was like, we're like, oh my oh, she's really pregnant in this in this moment. And it's like this beautiful thing, but it also was a really important thing for the song um, and for the show because, uh, you know, she has, you know, she's our collaborator and, and we worked together to make it, um, to make it the best song it could be and to make it the most truthful song it could be. And uh, the fact that she was actually pregnant at the time of recording it really was, was a very special thing, but she's just the best. I've known Lily since college and- oh. Um, we did SpongeBob together, obviously, and she's just incredible. And she she brings down the house on this on this album. Oh, that's amazing! Well, I can't wait to listen to it. I know um, a lot everyone else watching and all of your fans can as well. Uh, switching gears a bit, mentioning SpongeBob, you were a part of SpongeBob the Musical, uh, which you you know sort of 
your claim to fame and everyone knows you from and all of your other credits as well. But that was uh, a really fun and exciting musical. What was that experience like for you to be able to play SpongeBob, this uh, you know worldwide known, famous uh, animated character, and be able to play it live on a Broadway stage? And um, what did it uh, teach you about yourself as a performer in, mm. in taking on the role? Oh, it was amazing! Like it was the best thing ever. Um, I had so much fun, like just surrounded by the best cast and 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 crew and and just everyone was just incredible um and i think it's two parts right like the act the broadway experience it was my broadway debut and yeah. like the broadway of it all was just like you know because i've, I've always wanted to be on broadway so like th that whole experience was just sort of mind-blowing uh and then to play spongebob which is like this role that i didn't realize was a role that i wanted to play you know like, mm -hmm. Who wants to play SpongeBob? SpongeBob's a cartoon character. Right. But like we came into it, and the entire goal was like, okay, we have the, fir the first two weeks, the first two week workshop we did, the entire goal was just how do we take this cartoon character, put him on stage in a way that um, is three dimensional, mm -hmm. you know, physically, but also emotionally. And that was the goal. It was like this big challenge, this, this, um, daunting task to make SpongeBob, you know, almost human. And I think that the thing that I learned about myself from it is that um, I work best when I'm pushing myself past the point of what I think I can do. And yeah. I just like, you know, at one point, Tina was like, hey, can you juggle plates? And I was like, ask me again tomorrow. And I spent all night learning to juggle plates. And I came in and I juggled the plates. And she was like, that's great. We tried the scene. She's like, yeah, the scene's not that good. Let's cut that. And so we cut it. And it's never been in. But like, you know, all of these things, I like learned how to do backbends. I learned how to do the splits. You know, I learned how to do all of these things for the show. And um, it's made me want to tackle things that I don't necessarily think I can do really? because I want to be able to learn how to do them. Wow that that's big i mean that you know that that is big and i think that will help you only help you in your career and continue to help you you know i mean that spongebob able was able to give you that ability to you know tackle bigger things and be able to take on things that you maybe wouldn't usually i mean um and now i was when i was reading up about it it was it's been in development since 2012 were you a part of it from the beginning i was yeah i was at the first workshop wow danny skinner uh, who played Patrick, uh -huh. Mike Dobson, who's the Foley artist, oh. and and myself were, were all three at the first workshop, along with some absolutely unbelievable other performers who, um, who just do incredible stuff. But it was, it was a really amazing first workshop. But yeah, so, but, but we were there at the first one. That's amazing. And I can't believe, wow, it was since 2012, it was being developed. It's really exciting. And I believe I also saw, I think you posted about it, or it's the musical was recorded. It's on Paramount Plus, correct? To it watch? is on Paramount Plus. Check it out. That's amazing. It was recorded at the theater? We actually filmed it um, in England. Um, we rebuilt the show, restaged it. I mean, it's the same staging, but um, mm -hmm. in a, on a different theater, in a different theater in England. And it was um, awesome. It was so fun. <laughs> That 
Yeah, that does sound like a lot of fun. I, I wished I had gotten the chance to see it. I didn't, but um, I've heard just great things about it from people who saw it. And, you know, uh, you, you know, your voice that you did for SpongeBob was so um, well known. And of course, you know, Gavin and Lily and everyone. And it, it's really got some catchy songs. I mean, I still listen to, you know, I have Best Day Ever on Spotify. I have Chop to the Top. They're, these are all good, like, workout, like, around the oh, house. Yeah. You know, they're really, um, you know, because they had some great artists that worked on it. My dad was telling me that for the last four minutes of his run, whenever he would go on a run, he would put on Simple Sponge. It's just so cute. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Did the did it take you a while to master the voice and to get that sort of perfected? Oh wow, years. Yeah, years. Um, I uh, I showed up for the audition and I didn't do an impression. I like didn't have a SpongeBob impression, so I just like did the whole scene like this. And Tina was like, "Hey, that's really great. Why don't you come in in a couple of days and do the voice? It's really important." Um, and so I went back and I like practiced it. And we spent the next, you know, three or four years pushing and pulling and, and, you know, I would go too far in the SpongeBob world and be pulled back towards Ethan, or I would be too far towards Ethan and be pulled back towards SpongeBob. So it was, um, it was a long process, but a good one. Wow. That is, that is truly amazing. Uh, you also were a part of the hit, hit series, um, Fosse Verdon. You played Joel Gray, which, you know, had a lot of um, Broadway luminaries in it. And um, what did you learn about yourself as a performer from um, from that show? And what was it like to not only work with other Broadway stars, who I'm sure you were probably friends with, but also uh, to have the show overseen by Nicole Fossey, you know, uh, Bob Fossey and Gwen Verdon's daughter. That had to be special. Yeah, that that was that was really awesome. Um, she was really great. Every everyone that was on that set was so generous and kind and and like excited to be there. Um, mm -hmm. It was a really fun experience. I really loved it. And, and I loved being surrounded by all these people trying to to make something that felt so like near and dear to everyone's hearts. It's like right. homage. But, um, yeah, it was it was just super wonderful. And like getting to play Joel Gray was awesome. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'd gotten to meet him um, during SpongeBob and oh, just like one of my absolute greatest moments backstage um wow. I'd, I'd like maybe two or three um like incredible backstage moments yeah. one of them was with joel gray and he walks into my dressing room and he, he looks around what year is it and i was like uh 2018 50 years ago today i opened george m in this dressing room and i was like ah! um, oh my gosh incredible and then i like you know had a copy of his memoir and had him sign it and, what um, wow but he's just he's just such like an absolute sweetheart and i've gotten to like you know have encounters with him since which is really cool uh and so to also get to play him was was pretty special oh my gosh that 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 must have been special. I mean, really. And how cool that you were in the same dressing room. I mean, the Palace Theater was home to really to some legends performed on that stage. So I can only imagine the other legends that were in that dressing room, you know, before you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Glenn Close was was right before. Um, oh, right. It's just, like, it's just like every, it was just so, there was, there was this part on the door to my um, to my bathroom where you could see like layers and layers and layers of paint 
where they had just like painted over. Yeah. And who knows how far back it goes, but I like to think it goes back to, you know, to Judy. I was going to say it could be paint from Judy's error. You know, Judy probably maybe she had that was in that dressing room. You know, it's that's special. Yeah. And that, and, and that was a beautiful project too, Fossey Bird. And it was, uh, you know, it was really great to bring someone so iconic in the theater world that I'm sure everyone has experienced in seeing Chicago or seeing, you know, their musicals, but maybe didn't know about him and bringing it to the forefront. It was great. I actually have a small connection to that series. Um, I was working at the time for a background casting company and uh, doing extras casting as an assistant. And they did the, the extras casting for Bossy Verdon. So I, I didn't work on the show specifically, but I did help sometimes, you know, getting background actors there and stuff. And it was a, it was a period piece. So it was very, you know, everybody needed to be fit and in the certain period and hair had to be cut a certain way and dress a certain oh, way. Yeah. They don't play around FX. They really like, you know. Yeah, intense. And you know who else was uh, was in that was uh, Norbert. Yes. Playing Patty Chievsky. And, um, yes. and uh, Nick is also in it, uh, in uh, oh. Damn Yankees. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. It's the whole bunch of everyone. That that's great. Well, I know you uh, posted too that you are in upcoming Assassins at is it Classic Stage, right? It's at Classic Stage, yeah. When's that happening? Can you tell us a little bit more uh, about that and when we might be able to get tickets? Yeah, uh, it's opening in November. Amazing. I don't believe an exact date has been announced yet, but opening in November. Cool. And um, hopefully, tickets should be available pretty soon. I'm not 100% sure, but if you go to classicstage.org mm -hmm. um, or you find Classic Stage Company on Twitter or Instagram, there's information there uh, and and I'm sure you can get tickets there. Um, it's a super exciting production. You, we started, we had two weeks of rehearsal um, in March of 2020 and then we got shut down. Wow. So I'm really grateful that we're gonna be able to come back. But in addition to that, we're coming back in a new world and so yeah. we're, fortunately starting rehearsal process over again. Um, and we're gonna really approach it differently, or, you know, mm -hmm. because I'm, it's it's, um, it's a surprisingly relevant show. And uh, mm -hmm. speaking of doing things that like push my, the limits of what I think I can do, I'm, I'm playing guitar in that show, I'm playing the balladeer and it's John Doyle. So there's this incredible company of actor musicians um, playing the entire score. Um, in addition to the unbelievable company uh, uh, of actors, it's just like an incredible, incredible cast. Um, yeah. But I'm playing Sondheim on a guitar and mandolin. And um, fortunately I've had an extra year and a half to practice. So that's been. <laughs> uh, that, uh, yeah, that had, to, that, that had to be tough, I'm sure. So I'm glad you, I'm sure you were happy you had that extra year. <laughs> yeah, not mad about that. Yeah. What is your role that you're going to be playing in Assassins? I'm playing the Balladeer and Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. And is it the same cast that was announced, or is there new people that have been added? It's the same one, same people. Um, as as far as I know, uh, it's the same cast, but I only know um, on an unofficial basis. Nice. Well, I cannot wait for that. Um, I know there's been lots of excitement around it, and I'm so glad that you um, all will be coming back and. I'm excited to see, I would love to hear what, uh, you know, when, after you all do it, you know, how the show has taken on a new meaning in this, 
you know, in 2021 in the world we're in compared to, you know, maybe how you started to prepare for it in 2020 before everything shut down, you know, it's a different time. And I'm sure it'll, as you said, it's relatable, but it'll give the musical um, something new. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, what advice do you have for um, aspiring performers and also people who want to get into writing, let's say their own musical or their own score, a big piece sort of like that? Hmm. It's a really good question. I think that my my best advice for performers is be uh, collaborative and be somebody who um, you know collaborates well with others and and is generous as a performer um, because those are the people that you want to work with, right? And so uh, I want to work with generous performers, and generous performers want to work with generous performers. So that's I think that that's my best advice. Um, it is a community, you know, and, and so putting your best foot forward in that way. Um, and then for writers, I, I, I would sort of say similarly, like it's, um, it's important to be a good collaborator, but also I would say more than that, it's important to do it a lot. Um, sit down and, and write and just, just do it. And it's going to, and you're going to be like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is, this is terrible. I'm doing a terrible job and fine. Uh, get up and pace and like talk into your phone or whatever. Just come up with ideas, generate ideas and write and finish something. Whether it's a one act play, whether it's a feature length play, whether it's a screenplay or a short film or TV pilot. Um, there's nothing that can replace doing as a way to learn. Um, and so, well, that's not, I mean, after you've done some learning. So if you're somebody who's trying to write and has is reading books on writing or taking classes or whatever, the next step is you just just do it. Sit down and do it. That's great. Such good advice. And I, I hear that often. I think it's so important, you know, to just do it, but also to be a good collaborator, to be somebody that people want to work with, to be kind. Um, you know, those those that's what I hear often. And I think it's really important. And, you know, I've as someone being in the industry like yourself, you see it, you know, when you're kind, when you're collaborative, when you do it, people want to work with you and people, um, you know, you, you get things by doing that, you know, you get projects that way. Yeah. And, and, and I would say also like the ability to, um, work on things that are generated by yourself. So you're not waiting on other people is also good. So you can, you can bring in your people and your friends and, find things to do together. Um, even if it's just a reading or a, a, of something, get on Zoom or meet in a studio. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Amazing. Well, you've inspired some people in the chat. So you have, you know, people who are inspired and people who have said they're coming to see you. As I said, the the chat right now on, for YouTube is, is blowing up, which is great. Um, well, before we go, Ethan, where can we keep up with you? Uh, where can we follow you, your website, social handles? you have them? Yeah, um, uh, ethanslater.com, but really you check me out at uh, Twitter. I'm Ethan S.A. Slater. Um, and on Instagram, I'm at Ethan Slater. Amazing. So and go to broadwayrecords.com, learn more about Edge of the World, and check it out when it comes out. Can't wait to share it with everyone. I can't wait for it to come out either. August 6th, make sure you're keeping tuned and uh, watching for it. For those of you watching, you can keep up with me by following me on Instagram at Twitter at Rye underscore Myers. And on Facebook, I'm at official Rye Myers. 
And you can also visit me by visiting my website at the bottom of the screen, ridethenewsguy.com, and see everything I'm up to there, including the launch of my new production company and so much more. And for those of you watching, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Subscribe to my YouTube channel so you see all of my interviews that I do and um, you know all of my exclusive content I post. Uh, before we go, I just want to thank everyone who has tuned in um, these last, I guess, four and a half months since season two has premiered. It's been great. I've had some great guests. I'm thrilled to be ending it with Ethan Slater. I'll be back in the fall for season three and maybe a new format, new guests. Um, but if there's somebody you want to see out there uh, on this show, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can reach out to me on social media or through YouTube. Would love to hear who you'd like to see and hopefully get them on. So Ethan, again, thank you so much for your time and for chatting with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rai. Hi friend, it's Rye Myers, your Broadway and Entertainment BFF. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Live with Rye, the podcast. I hope you got value out of it. Hey, do me a big favor. Download this episode and make sure you subscribe to this podcast and also leave me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The more five-star ratings and review that I have, the better this podcast does. So I need your help and support. So make sure you leave that five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcast. And hey, if you want to watch this episode or all my other podcast episodes in video form, you can click the link in the show notes to go to my YouTube channel where you can see all of these episodes in video form. It's really, really cool. So make sure you head over there to watch this in full video form as well. Well, thank you so much for watching and I will see you next Thursday for another episode of Live with Rye the Podcast. Make sure you keep it locked here for all episodes of Live with Rye the Podcast. Thanks so much and have a great night.